Hey everyone, I'm Scott Cunningham, aka Scottsy Business, and today we're here with Jason Nelson from Crypto Insights Journal. How are you today? Hey Scott, how's it going? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. So um, before we dive back into all the all the crazy stuff going on right now, um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you've already been on the show, but for anyone who hasn't already uh, you know, seen our first talk, which they should go back and check out. Um, do you just want to share a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a freelance journalist and writer. I cover uh, cryptocurrency, blockchain technology, and Web 3.0. Uh, been in the space since uh, 2016. Seen a couple of interesting highs and lows. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's pretty much what I do now. Um, I transitioned from uh, 9 to 5 to uh, pretty much only writing about crypto in uh, 2019. So it's been pretty much every day just in the space. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm still on my way transitioning from the nine to five to just going full into this space. So it's always good to uh, talk to other creators who are actually living that out. And I'm sure uh, especially a lot of people in my audience are particularly interested in being able to do exactly that. So it's always good to have people on uh, with that exact experience. Um, and then how did you actually get into crypto originally? So it, it was interesting because I was reading Atlas Shrugged and they uh, there's a section, of course, the, the people are leaving to go live outside of society. And so my question was, well, how would you do it? Like, how would you do commerce if you're not inside the system? And so I messaged the head of the Atlas Society. Her name's uh, Jennifer Grossman. You know, like, what would we use? Like, will we use Bitcoin? And I asked her what Ayn Rand would think of Bitcoin. And she said that she didn't know, but let's ask Naomi Brockwell. So she tagged Naomi Brockwell in the tweet. And then I started talking to Naomi and then it just kind of developed from there. That was June 2016 and it's just been a rabbit hole ever since yeah that's wild yeah because I got in uh late 2018 so that was a very unfortunate time for me to get in uh I'm sure you got in just before the uh the crazy crazy hype started but uh yeah like you said it's been it's been quite uh quite a roller coaster for the last little while uh and we'll get into uh all that good stuff about bitcoin but before we dive into that i'm curious what your what's your approach in general when you're deciding you know what cryptocurrencies to invest in uh and like what do you look for in what is kind of like your your key things that you that you need to see when you want to invest in something well i have to be clear about something that i'm not i'm not a trader or investor or anything like that i'm a journalist i'm a writer Mm-hmm. So for me, I I look primarily at Bitcoin, Ethereum, the cryptos that are actually have a market, like a real world market. And mm-hmm. not to say that other cryptos don't have a real world uh, market because Litecoin is doing all kinds of crazy things. But if someone were to pay you in a particular crypto, what could you do with it except change it into Bitcoin or Ethereum? Right. So for me, I only I pretty much focus on Bitcoin and Ethereum as a this is what I'm going to have personally. Mm-hmm. Now, 
you know, that's not to say that you can't get into the thousands of other cryptocurrencies out there. By all means, knock yourself out. But what can you do with it besides wait for it to pump is how I look at the different cryptocurrencies. So for me, it's pretty much Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, something that I can actually buy food with. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's that's just yeah. how I view it. And for me, I think it's safer that way. Like I still have, uh, like when I write most of my articles, I get paid in regular money, just USD. So I still have a need to interact with USD. I can't, I'm not one of those crypto savages who I just live off of Bitcoin. I, I'm not one of those guys, <laughs> you know, so I try to keep it as simple, as basic as possible without getting, you know, too lost in the weeds. Yeah, no. And I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense to me because uh, I'm pretty similar in that I've probably got like 90 plus percent of my investments in uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum as well, just because, you know, those are those are kind of like your blue chip cryptos and, and they have. The network effect they've got all of the applications all of the development and uh yeah i mean i i've always looked at it just through the case of use case and uh, like you said if i can't actually spend it or do something with it it's always funny to me when people are like well yeah you could always you know trade it for bitcoin or something it's like well that's not a use case that right, just means that just means that <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh I mean I just did a video on that for Doge because people would say, "Oh, but you know, you could trade it for something else and then do what you need to do." And it's like, "Well, that's not uh, a super useful way to to actually have currency." So, I I subscribe to what you're saying like with holding Litecoin or Bitcoin Cash or, you know, something that you can actually transact um right. and and be able to actually buy groceries and things like you said. So, what uh, what about Ethereum and Bitcoin really gets you excited and like why are you mainly focused on those two? Well, like I said, I can I can use it to do everyday things with, you know, with Ethereum, though, Ethereum is I don't see Ethereum more as a commerce type cryptocurrency because of all the things you can do with it, smart mm -hmm. contracts and things like that. It's a. It's a business um, crypto, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's meant for, you know, uh, like, for example, NFTs, right? NFTs, Ethereum is perfect for that. In fact, most NFTs are on Ethereum because of the way Ethereum works with smart contracts and all. So it's an enterprise, I think, focused uh, crypto as much as we kind of shy away from using that word. It is. It's, yeah. it's for business. It's great for commerce. It's great, like uh, high level commerce, not buying bread commerce, but starting businesses and corporations on Ethereum seem more more of a, a use case for that because of all the things you can do with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bitcoin, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, those are more transactional. Bitcoin in and of itself is... I think slowly moving away from transactional because of the value of it until we start breaking it down in Satoshis. You mm. know, I think in the next 10 years or so, we're going to have to start talking about Bitcoin in terms of Satoshis if we ever want to use it as a form of commerce. Mm -hmm. Because I can't 
you're not going to spend one Bitcoin on, you know, a night out at McDonald's unless you have like 20, 30, 900 people with you. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> you're yeah. not going to do that. But if you have a certain number of Satoshis that equals $20, you can have a night out with that, you know. So we're going to have to change how we look at Bitcoin if we're going to use it as anything other than a store of value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've always seen Bitcoin more as gold. So do you do you see it being more of leaning towards, you know, like an actual currency or being more to gold? Like, what are your thoughts? Do you think it'll always be able to cover both? Or do you think it's kind of going more towards that just store of value as its use case? It's going more to store of value. I mean, and that's not to say that you can't use Bitcoin, of course. We all know you can use Bitcoin to buy things. People do it all the time. But with a price tag of upwards of $50,000 right now, one Bitcoin as a form of purchase is not feasible. Uh, 0.003 of Bitcoin is. So you'd have to use Bitcoin BTC as the store of value and then Satoshi's as the commerce. For the commerce, mm-hmm. right? So it would be like, okay, I have three gold bars, but then these dollars represent, or used to represent, these, you know, three gold bars. It would mm-hmm. be something like that, you know. But yeah. at, I don't know how likely that is because people like the idea of saying I have Bitcoin instead of saying I have Satoshi's. Mm. I, I think it would take some some doing to get people to wrap their heads around breaking down Bitcoin that way on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just find that like with the transaction speed and fees compared to other things like you, like you mentioned, Litecoin, uh, Bitcoin cash, stuff like that just kind of makes those more feasible. But at the same time, I'm sure there's a lot of Bitcoin maxis out there that would say, no, you should just use Bitcoin or, <laughs> you know, people who are, uh, you know, pro lightning network. What are your thoughts on the lightning network? Cause me personally, I haven't tested it out very much. I, I, I see that it's definitely useful, but I haven't really gotten in the weeds very much and like tested it out. I've played around with lightning network. Um, like it's been a while, but like, um, during, uh, the last Bitcoin conference in 2019, there's a lot of people doing things with Lightning. And I like the idea that it makes Bitcoin transactions a lot faster. But there's also the learning curve on how to set it up and how to send it. Because the first time I tried it, I was confused. I'm like, mm. what do you mean I have to open an invoice, send the Bitcoin to it, the invoice gets filled? I, I was totally lost. lost yeah. In it. So, you know, if, if, if it can be simplified as to not necessarily the process, because the process actually is simplified, it's, it's not hard to do, but the explanation of how to do it needs to be simplified, put in layman's term for the everyday user, because it can get confusing. And God knows we don't need anyone else losing Bitcoin into a system, <laughs> you know, just dis- yeah. the internet just because you didn't understand what was going on. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, crypto in 2021 is light years easier than it was in 2016, 2017, 2018 to, to do. 
you know, because mm-hmm. when I first got into crypto, you actually had to type in the address still. True. You know, and if you copy and paste from, you know, right click and hope you got the whole thing or whatever. Whereas now the apps come with the here, click here. We copy it automatically. You can paste it to wherever you want. Or you can scan a QR code. It's a lot easier than it used to be. So when you introduce things like Lightning Network, you need to make it that easy. Mm-hmm. To, otherwise, people are just going to be like, I'll just wait for my transaction to go through. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. And yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely already not super easy for you know people who are very, very new. Uh, so I don't see a lot of people you know, diving further into it. I mean, I still uh, cringe if I'm sending like a transaction more than like $500 and I still, you know, it's it's still like the psychological thing where you're like, there's the slightest chance I mistype something and you check it like three times and it's, it's hard to get over that. But I think it's getting easier and easier when we have things like um, you know, uh, ENS, like Ethereum domain names or like unstoppable domains. And they're making it way easier where it's like you just type in, uh, the domain or, or whatever, like scottcbusiness.eth. And, uh, and then it'll say, this is the correct address. And if you misspelt it, it would say, this isn't correct. You've misspelt it. Uh, I mean, obviously, eventually there might be problems with people, uh, buying misspelt domains, but, uh, that's probably not going to be an issue for a very long time. Um, make sure you're spelling it right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause you send it to Elon Musk, but there's two K's and then that just sends to some random person who bought that. Uh, so what are your thoughts on, uh, on DeFi? Well, you know, DeFi is my bread and butter right now. So <laughs> it's pretty much primarily what I write about. Uh, I do freelance work for uh, Decrypt. And, you know, decentralized finance, I, I think DeFi is where this space is going. You see so many DeFi projects being rolled out on a daily basis. Bitcoin is DeFi as well. If mm-hmm. people, for some reason, get locked into Ethereum and DeFi, Bitcoin is DeFi too. It's decentralized finance, right? Finance money, okay? We get lost in the weeds on the on acronyms and you know phrases, but crypto in general is decentralized finance. Mm-hmm. Now, what I like is a lot of these DeFi projects are becoming behind-the-scenes um, type projects where they give you a product and you have no idea it's crypto related. And I really want to see more of that because I really think that's how we're going to get um, mass adoption because people don't want to, a lot of people don't like the idea of dealing in crypto. So if you can create a a product that is efficient, easy to use, easily, easy to market, easy to add to app stores, it can be blockchain crypto related, be embraced by the masses, and they never have to worry about is am I holding a security or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think if we if we start getting more projects like that, I think DeFi is going to become a um, is going to become very commonplace, and it's going to take the world by storm more so than it already has. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any uh, specific projects you'd like to shout out or mention? 
Well, I don't know if you would call Library or Odyssey um, a DeFi project. I, I guess you would because of the LVC token. But they're the best use case right now for a blockchain platform because they are doing everything you can do on YouTube, but it's more it, it's more user friendly. It's more creator friendly. You get paid. Content creators get paid as soon as you upload something. You can start gaining, um, getting paid. So, of all the platforms, I think they did it the best. They're the first. They're not the only, but I think that Odyssey, the team at Library, is the is so far number one in my book as to a DeFi project. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, they've been doing a lot lately. I know they they just kind of released a, I don't know if it if it's beta or exactly, but like live streaming is right. uh, starting to become a big thing there now. So I may have to do my first live stream on Library uh, because I've never actually done a live stream. So <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I might have to uh, finally do that uh, and and do it on Library for sure because. Yeah, they're 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 doing a lot, and uh, that's interesting because my next question was around crypto social platforms. Um, how long have you been on uh, Library now? Um, I've been on Library. I think they came out in twenty. I, I was one of the one of the first to actually upload to Library. Uh, okay. To the point where they actually sent me a plaque saying thank you. Mm. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. I have it in the other room. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, I've got it. I don't know if you can see it, but right there. Yeah. So I, I well, I can't honestly say the first one of the first one. I have no idea who the first were, so I can't really say But, that. you know, pioneering the pioneer, platform, more or less. A pioneer, right? Yeah. Um, so I've been with library on library for a long time, back when it was still library.io, and mm -hmm. then switched to library.com, and then library TV. And now they're doing away with library TV and going with staying strictly with Odyssey. And I haven't had any issues yet. It's just gotten easier and easier for me. So that's why when people are looking for, and I hate when people call it a uh, alt tech or alternative to you. No, it's, it's new tech and it's better than YouTube. I'm just yeah. going to yeah. say it. It's better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing that uh, they've been drilling on lately is how everyone always calls it an alternative to YouTube. And we have to uh, switch that to successor to YouTube or, right. you know, something, something right. that really yeah. properly and like that, you know, but, you know, alt tech is, you know, it's like, okay, well, I can't afford Adobe Premiere. So I'll go to this free alternative. No, this is, <laughs> it's not like that. You know, you have you could you could stay on YouTube. I mean, my channel's on YouTube, your channel's on YouTube, but we don't let YouTube dictate where our content lives, mm -hmm. right? Whereas, you know, and I tell people, even complete one hundred percent no coiners, sync your stuff to Library or Odyssey. Just do it, even if you don't ever want to deal with LBC tokens, even if you don't ever want to consider getting crypto for what you're doing have a backup have your content somewhere else where people can't just strike it down just because they feel like it yeah. and odyssey is a great platform for that yeah yeah absolutely and uh 
and and like you said like even if you're not interested in crypto it's good to just you know patronize these alternatives or successors rather uh <laughs> even i still uh, am used to saying that it's hard um, saying it i know yeah yeah but uh but yeah no i mean it makes a lot of sense to even if it's just backing up your content even if it's just you know reaching a new audience i think very few people uh have the excuse of like oh well like i mean like i'm so big on youtube that this takes all of my focus mm-hmm. um i remember when i talked to uh andreas antonopoulos a long time ago he was like I don't want to, you know, spread myself too thin, but then like a couple days later, he joined the library and I was like, nice, I got him. <laughs> well, the thing is that these sites, and it's not just Odyssey anymore, because I want to say BitChute does it now too, where you automatically upload your content. Yeah. So yeah. And BitTube is another one. And BitTube, yeah. So you don't have to stretch yourself thin you know, because I think a lot of people think, okay, I had to do all this to get it on YouTube. So I'm going to have to do the same thing over here and the same thing over here. Well, no, mm-hmm. just sync your YouTube channel and it just follows the pipeline. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It, it's actually a lot easier than people think it is. But I think the more of us that go to these platforms, the more people will see it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's also important that you said, like, you don't have to leave YouTube because... Uh, there's a lot of people who are on these platforms who are like, you know, no more YouTube ever. Uh, but the way that I look at it is, well, I mean, A, not every platform has integrated uh, embeds for videos outside of YouTube and like Vimeo and Dailymotion. So you limit yourself a lot from a lot of other platforms if you're trying to really spread out your content, uh, as well as if no one's on YouTube telling people about like library and odyssey then how are we going to get these people to library and odyssey right so i feel like obviously there still has to be people to you know spread the news and, and let and make people aware of all these things that are out there because i don't think a lot of people go on to google and type in you know what else is there out there instead of youtube because they'll probably just type that into youtube and then like you know they only get whatever is there and a lot of the people aren't there because they were banned or whatever it happens to be uh, interestingly enough, I got my first community violation this week on YouTube for like a two-year-old video that just linked to uh, vidiq.com, which is just like a YouTube. That a YouTube. Uh, yeah, it's just like a YouTube creator extension that just like suggests tags and stuff. It's not like sketchy by any means, and there's like a million followers on the actual VidIQ channel itself, which links to VidIQ on every video. And I was like, how is this like not allowed? This one link that I had on a two-year-old video that just links to VidIQ's website, which was crazy to me. Uh, and then their whole channel is like fine, but like I'm getting a community strike is like this tiny creator. So it's very interesting that they are able to like find the smallest thing. And if they want, they can just completely rid of you of the platform, but be like, ah, but you had this one link like two years ago that let's, let's be clear. YouTube doesn't like crypto people. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these strikes and takedowns, they're targeted. And they need an excuse as to why they did it. And if you noticed, and because I know you mentioned that you don't do live streams, 
a lot of the content creators in crypto who get their channel stricken down, it happens during live streams. Mm. And I, I don't know if it's because of the fact that live streams tend to be at the top of the page. You know, like if you go to um, your subscription page, the stuff that's live is at the top. And I guess they figure there's more of a chance of something being said or whatever during a live stream that, you know, isn't typically going to happen in a recorded video because people edit those. Mm-hmm. But it's something that YouTube is doing that just goes after. They do it to crypto channels. They do it to uh, independent journalism channels. And then they come up with some excuse as to why they do it. And then the channel's back. And it was like, okay, so either you don't like what I'm talking about or your agri- or your algorithm is pointed in my direction. Mm-hmm. One of the two. You know. Yeah. So it's interesting that you point that you said that. Yeah, I mean it was it was right after I uploaded a library interview and like an hour later they uh they're like actually 2 years ago you had this video where and I was like, "Hmm, that's a little interesting." YouTube sucks. Come into that conversation anywhere. Yeah, maybe, maybe that was it. We were just like, no more YouTube. And uh, yeah, and I mean, and I was banned on uh, Daily Motion and Vimeo uh, several years back, just when I did an interview with uh, Unstoppable Domains. So yeah, a lot of these places that you would think are not going to, you're not going to have any issues on. uh, Yeah, like, I was surprised that Daily Motion and Vimeo were like way more intense about censorship than YouTube even was. Um, and yeah, I mean, the best way to, to protect yourself is to just be on all these platforms. And like I said, I mean, it, especially if you're not like a big creator, it's better to just have like this distribution to new audiences too. And you'll be able to like reach all these new people that you might've never otherwise reached. Um, so whether it's backing up your content, censorship, distribution, there's so many reasons to be using all these other platforms. Are you on anything else? Like, are you using... Uh, like Hive or any of these other decentralized platforms? Um, Odyssey is my main. Um, I use Mines. And okay. uh, I use uh, Twitch, uh, T-W-E-T-C-H, Twitch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny to me that we, our tribalism has gotten to the point where we take shots at these other platforms because yeah. based on a crypto we don't like, and it's like, well, you understand that there are bigger people who don't like any of us, right? <laughs> so go check out these platforms and secure your data. You know, don't, don't, the tribalism is just an annoyance that needs to stop. I mean, honestly, it, it, it is. You know, yeah. Twitch actually has a lot of interesting features that you don't find on Facebook and, you know, other more mainstream platforms. But because it's BSV, we got to talk crap about it. You know, <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, come on, guys. It, 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 it's, it's so much. Let it go. All right. Like, just just come on. Just try the different platforms. You might like it and just go about your day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Although I will caveat and say that I am not a fan of having to pay to like do things on a platform. I think that's the way Twitch works, correct? But now that that's that's true. And the the thing, though, that I like about that model 
is that it tends to keep uh, anonymous, if I can curse on your channel, uh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah. from posting because they have to pay for it. You know, I, I, as much as we don't like the idea of it, I think Twitter would actually be a more, it wouldn't be as interesting, but it wouldn't be as toxic if people had to pay for every tweet that they sent. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have to really think, okay, do I want to pay to tell this to 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 get a a one up on this random person? I don't know. Yeah. You know, and true that it 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 does rub people the wrong way to have to pay for everything you do, but it does keep the ecosystem I think less toxic than just an open free for all. Yeah, no, I mean that makes sense, so it's kind of just it's the trade-off between spam and trolls and just a lot of those different things that are solved by having that tiny amount of resistance um, to kind of just, you know, all those people just wouldn't bother. They'll just go somewhere else. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely see the benefit there. I just struggle to wrap my head around like a normal person coming from Twitter and being like, time to spend money. Right. <laughs> well, that's that's actually that that's where their I think their lack of um, popularity uh, aside from the because the, the average person doesn't know about the 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 background between Bitcoin and BSV and BSH. They 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 don't know. Yeah, that. so they probably wouldn't be like worried about that distinction. And they're not worried about that. You know, Danny Trejo is on Twitch. I don't think he cares about the difference between the, <laughs> the different Bitcoins. Um, but yeah, you're right. Having to go from free to paid isn't going to, um, attract the same level because people like a free experience. They just do. Mm -hmm. But again, you weed out the toxicity that way. If there's some type of, uh, not repercussion, but, you know, in order to post this, you have to you know, give something up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess it's just, it's depending on what you value. Uh, if you're really about like the community and like uh, thoughtful interactions and stuff like that, then that might be more for you and just kind of getting rid of all the, all the toxicity and stuff. Cause you know, some people just completely avoid Twitter because of that. So maybe then that's an option for them. Something similar, but free, uh, like you mentioned is mines, what are your thoughts on Minds and like uh, and and how do you like that platform? Oh no, I love Minds. Minds is great, and I Minds actually it's still in beta, but they do have a sync feature too, where you can sync your YouTube channel to Minds, and it will go automatically. Um, it's not I don't I, I'm not sure if it's un if it's paid or unpaid. But yeah, there's a they're working on a feature to get that done. Mines is doing a lot. Ottman, uh, what's his name? Bill Ottman. Yep. Is actually making a Facebook competitor. Yeah. I think in the next few years, you're going to see a lot of people jumping over to Mines. You know. Yeah. And, uh, alternatively to uh, Twitch, Mines is free <laughs> to get started. So to your point. Uh, and it has a lot of the same features that you'll find on Facebook, you know? So I think Minds is, is going to be, I think Minds and Odyssey in the next few years are going to be contenders for the number one spot. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and one thing I really like is that they recognize things that they need to improve on. Like, uh, I recently did an interview with Bill talking about the new tokenomics changes as well as some of the stuff that they're working on. Uh, one of the big things is they're going to completely revamp the messenger to make it more akin to the Facebook messenger. Um, because right now it's still pretty bare bones, but they want to really like flesh it out, allow you to send attachments, all the beautiful things that we want to do, but can't do currently. Um, so that's going to be very exciting. And I think they're, they're really building out all of these features to make these things possible. And uh, we also talked about how they have like stories on minds, which I didn't really notice because I normally use the desktop. Mm. Um, but you can post stories now on the mobile version too. So yeah, it, it's fantastic to see what they're doing. Uh, and, and what are your thoughts around like the recent tokenomics upgrade? Uh, do you have any insights on that? Not really. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, essentially the big thing was that they, uh, they burned 75% of their supply uh, to just like massively increase the value of the token. And uh, that took it from like a dollar to like $4, but then now it's back down because I mean, a lot went back down. Um, well, and then they made some changes with like, if you now hold tokens on chain, you will earn off chain tokens uh, just for holding. And then they have liquidity pools for earning as well. So they just brought in a bunch of different ways for you to earn more. And I think they upped the daily reward pool as well to 10,000 mines tokens per day being rewarded. Well, that's the how we were talking earlier about the behind the scenes of these different platforms. You know, you, you can, there's two faces of the platform. There's the behind the scenes, the tokenomics and things like that, like we, you were just saying. And then there's just the front facing to the internet platform. I don't think the average user will ever get past just the social media aspect of it. Hmm. I think for us being in the space, those things are important to us and that's what we, we talk about. But generally speaking, I don't think that's ever going to be a conversation a casual mind user, casual Twitch user, whatever, is going to have. They're just going to say, I don't want, I don't like Facebook anymore. I don't like Twitter. Let me, oh, what's this over here? And then that's just pretty much how they're going to interact with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and those are kind of like the three main ones that you're using these days, Minds, Odyssey, and Twitch? Yeah, pretty much. I think Minds is probably my main one just because it's <clears throat> i see a lot of content creators on uh, on youtube ironically um talking about find me on minds you know one of the guys i guess he was a co-founder of minds is on the uh, tim pool um irl tim cast irl show and he's always, oh i didn't know that a co-founder was on the show okay uh, cool adam uh what's his name adam Krigler. okay because uh, he talks he talks crypto all the time and yeah uh, He's, he's on, on, on Twitter also. And, uh, you know, so he talks about, you know, like every, every, almost every day, Dogecoin comes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it, and it's, um, so it's good to see that you have people in just not quote unquote crypto Twitter talking about apps that are based in crypto. Mm hmm. You know, and so I, I, I think um, 
you're going to see more people switching over to mines in the uh, near future. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's interesting too, that uh, I didn't realize that a co-founder for mines is on uh, Timcast IRL. Cause I know Bill Ottman, I believe was the CFO of subverse when they originally uh, did the funding for that and got that all going. I don't know what really happened to Subverse because I do kind of follow what they're remember, up to. But remember when now that's when when Tim was talking about Subverse, and I guess he got into a dispute with the creators of a video game called Subverse. Ah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. The Subverse video game is an as an erotic thriller. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> and uh, you know, so I don't know whatever happened to that because he really stopped talking about it. And he talks about his his uh, um, timcast.com, I think is the name of the website now. So he really doesn't talk about Subverse anymore. But I remember when that whole started, and there was this whole back and forth about that. Jeez, it's crazy how uh, something can just come toppling down based on like a naming convention or like a logo or something so simple. Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't know everything, but, uh, well, but yeah, branding, that's the branding is very important in, well, not only just social media, but just in the world, you know, like a uh, little Nas X and his Satan shoes, you know, almost ended up getting sued by Nike because they mm. took Nikes and changed the, like the, the color and added some other things to it. So Nike was like, it's still a Nike, right? Mm. So you have those things. Copyright is is something that a lot of us don't think about because a lot of this stuff we do ourselves. You know, we don't take it through a, a marketing team. We don't take it through um, what uh, patents, things like that. You know, before we put it out there, whereas they did because they have to. They have millions of dollars involved in these things. Um, for example, well, like with the NFTs, right? One of the issues with NFTs that is starting to be talked about more and more is copyright infringement because you're taking a picture of something that you don't own and tokenizing it. Mm -hmm. So where is the legal ramifications to doing that? You know, and I mm -hmm. think that's going to become a conversation that evolves in the NFT space probably pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I also talked about not that long ago was um, well, like I had a discussion at least with Hashoshi and a couple other creators was uh, when or what kind of regulation could possibly come in for NFTs around, you know, like someone like, for example, uh, Chance the Rapper's brother, Taylor Bennett did an NFT for his song and then you think, well, how is that going to work legally in the future for owning a percentage share of his music? Will there be something around the copyright or will there be like regulation around, uh, you know, creating these and distributing all of these? And, and will that be a security and all these different things? Um, and I think because the NFT space is so new, no one's even really thought about that. A lot of people also don't think about the fact that uh, selling an NFT will still be a taxable event. So there's all these things that people haven't really like considered just because it hasn't really come up yet. Yeah. But I think um, it's going to, it's going to be a wide 
uh, a big awakening when people are are actually having to pay the taxes and all these different things kind of popping up for nfts because right now nfts is just like this heightened euphoria state where everyone's just like buying up stuff and personally i think it's fantastic i love what nfts are doing but i'm not trying to invest on the ground floor yet because there's so many nfts that could also just be worth nothing and uh, I've seen this play out with uh, OX planets. I just casually played the game back in the day. And then I got all these planets in the game. And uh, though the game still has players, no one's willing to buy those those NFTs from me. So like, even though they have value, uh, because some people are buying them, if no one's buying mine, then they're basically valueless. And, and that's kind of something that people... I would say miss when they're buying an NFT. It's like, it could be worth a lot, but it could also be worth nothing if no one's willing to buy your NFT because, you know, someone still might want a specific rarity or whatever it happens to be, but they might not want yours. Um, so I see, so I'm just a little hesitant to be, you know, telling people to get into this. What I'm more interested for NFTs is, uh, like tokenized real estate, uh, what Taylor Bennett was doing, uh, more innovative use cases not that collectibles and art isn't innovative but i'm i want to see like the next level of that like video games that you can port assets between worlds or you can finally you know sell your assets from a video game that people have been doing for years and years but just in a much more sketchy illegitimate way where they have to like trust the person and do it through paypal or whatever so i'm really interested to see how these more innovative use cases come out for like mainstream video games and like CSGO and World of Warcraft and stuff like that. So what are your thoughts there? Well, if you're, if, if the NFT is a wholly original piece of art, I don't think you're going to have that much of an issue. If it's something that you drew yourself, it's the original creation. Nobody has copyright on it. You should be fine. But for example, you have a Pikachu behind you. If I take that, and it looks exactly like that, and I make an NFT, the creator of that is going to come after me because you are infringing on my copyright. The other thing, even if even if copyright wasn't an issue, say it wasn't an issue whatsoever, the amount of money that people are spending not only to create, or not only to buy, but to actually create these NFTs, that needs to be dealt with too before this art form becomes if we're ever going to break out of Beanie Baby territory, we need to deal with that. Because mm-hmm. I'm seeing, like, I was doing um, an interview with, uh, his name's uh, 3D, 3 Douglas on Twitter. And we were on Rarible, and we were going to, he was showing me how to create an NFT. And at the time, it was like $150 worth of Ethereum, or gas fees. Oh, my jeez. And I was like, are you insane? (laughs) 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 Not to him, but to the platform. And I was like, why would I, why, why, why is it so expensive? And of course you have to factor in how gas fees work and the price of Ethereum at the time and all these other factors. So that needs to be dealt with. And hopefully the, the rolling out of Berlin and I think it's, Istanbul is the next one. Uh, I think London is the next one. London is the next one. Hopefully yeah, yeah. after those roll out, that will 
help the gas fees go down because I think the gas fees are going down as we speak. Yeah, what yeah. they were, but no, one hundred and fifty dollars to post something is is insane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess if, if you're thinking that I'm going to be one of those guys that gets thousands of dollars back for this NFT, then $150 isn't that big of a deal. But if you're just playing around with NFTs to see how they work, $150 is a lot of money You know, to be putting into something that may or may not actually get you any type of return. I mean, it's, it's like mad speculation at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and the interesting thing too, is that like, there's all these other solutions for NFTs. There's all these other chains and protocols. Um, and I think m- for the most part, most people getting into NFTs are kind of unaware that most of them are on Ethereum. And that's kind of where a lot of the cost is. I think a lot of new people getting into the space aren't like, oh, well, we can just go and use flow or wax or whatever. So like, uh, they're just kind of unaware of that differentiation and that kind of trips people up. Also, something interesting that I forgot to mention around tax was, um, I believe I saw something recently that said people issuing NFTs will have to pay, uh, like a, like a, like a business tax or like when you create a piece of art and you sell it, it's taxed way higher than at capital gains for just like owning that as an asset. And I was like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. So NFT issuers are going to have to pay significantly more tax as well. And that might be something that they didn't think of as well. So do you think that maybe they'll start just using, um, I don't know if art law is a, is a phrase that's accurate, but the laws that they use to govern the art industry, the, the art market, do you think maybe they'll, they'll interject that into NFTs? I, I would assume, yeah, because I mean, it's so hard to the, the problem that it always comes down to is how will like the regulators interpret it, right? Are they going to say that it's like the same as art or is it like an online digital asset? And there's all these different complications. Um, yeah, I guess for me, it's just really just being concerned about the uncertainty of regulation and tax and how all that's going to affect uh, NFTs, but I'm still super, uh, gung ho on the idea of NFTs and like, and where this is going. So what are your thoughts on some of the different like chains out there and some of the different, uh, different ways that you can create NFTs, store them, use them, transact? Well, right now I'm doing a series on NFTs with, uh, my uh, friend, Jeremy Cox, he's a crypto sipto on Twitter. Um, and we're basically going through ghost market, and Phantasma and these other alternatives and these alternative chains to Ethereum. Uh, Phantasma, for example, is where Kevin Smith is launching his NFTs. And the the price to post an NFT on that blockchain is considerably cheaper than on OpenSea and Rarible. And because you're not using ETH, you're using, uh, I think it's Soul and KCAL are the cryptos that you're using okay now they're they're erc based too but it's not erc 20s and there's one more 1175 i want to say something like that erc that are where most of the major um platforms are using to um 
host and create the mint the NFTs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have these smaller platforms like Eminem is using Nifty Gateway to do his NFT. And so I think to make the price go down more, we also need to spread out where these NFTs are being hosted. You know, so you have your uh, Ghost Market, Phantasma, Nifty Gateway, just spread it out. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket and you should see the price go down you know competition does that you know um the other thing is uh, naomi brockwell had an episode on her show i want to say it was yesterday where she was talking she was talking to someone who bought an nft and the we also have to think about what these nfts are being hosted on because it's not like with like with Bitcoin. If I send you Bitcoin, you have the Bitcoin in your wallet, right? If you buy an NFT on one of these galleries, that NFT, just because you can see it, it's still on that gallery. So if that gallery goes down, what happens to your NFT, right? Or if yeah. the network that that gallery is on goes down, what happens to your NFT? And they were talking about that. So, you know, they were talking about um, decentralized servers, you know, like how Bitcoin and Ethereum is. If one Bitcoin node goes down, it doesn't hurt the rest of the network. But if all of the transactions are going through one place and that place goes down, network's dead. Mm -hmm. Right. So NFTs need to be NFT creators and marketplaces need to look at the same thing to expand just between, ooh, look at this nice picture, into how are we going to keep this? It's supposed to be perpetual. It's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to last forever, right? But if it's on my laptop, it's not going to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I guess more education and awareness around uh, the same thing that we always have to push with regular crypto is getting that onto your own wallet and not leaving it on the exchange or whatever platform is actually holding it because until you've got it in your own wallet you know it's uh anything anything goes and uh not your keys not your crypto really applies to uh to pretty much anything um something that i would like to get more information on as far as nfts is because you know we always say not your coins not your keys not your coins does that apply with nfts you know because if it doesn't, that should be a concern to a lot of people as to why are you spending this much money to something that you don't actually have physical control over? They say you do, but do you really? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because with a lot of these different uh, protocols to, you know, and like you said, if there's issues with their their network or their infrastructure, uh you know, maybe there is some reason to be spending more gas fees on ETH, but definitely not $140 for sure. Um, so what are your thoughts on uh, some of the like ETH killers? Like, do you think that uh, we will see a lot more competition against ETH? Do you think it's more likely that gas fees will kind of solve a lot of these problems? Uh, what are your thoughts there? I think if ETH, if Ethereum can solve the high gas fees, then I don't think they have to worry about a killer because there's so many projects running on Ethereum right now. Mm -hmm. But 
if they can't get the gas fees under control into a man as a, into a manageable size, people are going to start looking for alternatives. They mm -hmm. just because people aren't going to spend one hundred and fifty dollars for some random NFT, you know, yeah. to or to make that NFT. They're going to look for the cheapest way possible, and that's where the alternatives are going to get their um, influx from. The the other thing is we shouldn't really, I mean, from Ethereum's standpoint, they hate, you know, that we're talking about Ethereum killers. Nobody, no business wants <laughs> to, to have, you know, competition. But for a marketplace to thrive, we need that competition. You know, we can't rely solely on, um, you know, Ethereum or, you know, is, is like with Bitcoin, for example. You know, Bitcoin could have stayed the way it was in 2009 when it first came out. But the developers saw that there was need for change if we're going to keep this thing something people want to be bothered with and deal with. And, you know, especially in the, on the commerce side. So they made advancements. That's why Bitcoin is still the standard. Because the, the developers saw there was a need, and they fixed it. And the same thing with Ethereum. The issue that Bitcoin, like Ethereum has the gas fee issue, Bitcoin has the transaction speed issue. It takes a while sometimes for Bitcoin transactions to go through. That's not a slide against Bitcoin. It's just the truth. Sometimes it takes a while for this thing to go through. So you have other cryptos, like as much as I'm probably going to catch it for this one, but Bitcoin Cash is faster than Bitcoin. That doesn't mean that it's better. That doesn't mean it has more value. It's just faster. If Bitcoin wants to, if the developers of Bitcoin want to keep Bitcoin where it is, that eventually is going to have to get dealt with. You're going to have to find a way to make it faster. How that happens, I have no idea. I'm not a developer. But yeah. that's the one thing. ETH has high gas fees. Bitcoin has slow transactions. If they can fix those two things, they don't have anything to worry about from any of these other cryptos. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And uh, I guess the way that I look at it is I don't like while that would be fantastic, I don't need Bitcoin to be more like currency because I I look at it like if it's gold then in the same way that it's extremely slow and costly to transact gold, it's sort of like that, but much improved upon gold, of course, because it takes like, you know, 30 days for me to order the gold and get it and all these different things. If they give it to you. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it doesn't get <laughs> stolen off of my porch or something. Right. Well, um, I mean, that's the thing, though, is, okay, if we're going to use, if, if we're all going to use Bitcoin as gold, then you're right. But at the same time, I can still buy regular things with Bitcoin. You that, could still technically do that with gold if, if someone was willing to accept yeah, good luck, it. Good luck with that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, that, no, that's a good point. But I'm just saying is that, okay, you can't have it both ways. Right, it's either peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash, or it's gold. Which one is it? Which one are we going to use this for? And yeah. then we can go about our day. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, that makes sense. Um, I kind of just uh, look at it from an adoption standpoint, too. Like, do people want to wait and... But I mean, like you said, I mean, if they fix it, then maybe everyone will just go and become like a Bitcoin maxi and uh, just like go 100% Bitcoin. Um, But from what I've seen, I guess I would just say that it's just easier to use Bitcoin Cash or Dash or whatever. And you always have the option to use Bitcoin. So it's not like uh, that's not an option. Anywhere that I can spend Bitcoin Cash or Dash, I can spend Bitcoin. Uh, It's just more so is that what I want to do? Uh, and, and for the same reason that I said Doge will not be a currency is because the transaction fees for Doge are like 40x, you know, Bitcoin Cash or Dash right now. So uh, again, it, you know, it doesn't really live up to that use case. And or if I wanted to spend it on a lot of places, most places are like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, Dash sometimes too. Uh, most don't offer Doge or accept Doge, at least from what I've seen. Sometimes you see it, uh, but then again, you're still going to save a lot of fees just spending something else. So like Newegg accepts Doge now. Really? And, wow. Uh, I wrote an article about that uh, last week. And, you know, it's interesting that you are... Is it just Doge that they accept? Or? Well, no, they go through BitPay. So BitPay okay. added Doge to their list of currency yeah yeah. okay um but you know it's it's odd that you know we we call this stuff cryptocurrency but a lot of a lot of times we don't use it as currency and then that's where you start getting your your what is this thing conversation because it was meant to be currency it was meant to be i want that pikachu here's 10 bitcoin for it let me have it Right, mm-hmm. just like you would if you went to the store, but then we turned it into a forex market, and forex isn't currency. It you're you're trading currencies, but you don't. It it's it's investing. Mm-hmm. It's I think the dollar is going to do better than the Great British British pound, and I'm going to trade my Great British pounds for U.S. dollars, or I'm going to trade my U.S. dollar for yen, or I'm going to do you know whatever. And we turned it into that. That's why you have so many exchanges. So now it's not that. And that's where your gold um, analogy comes comes from. $50,000 for one Bitcoin is not currency level. That's store value level. That's gold level. Right. But how did it get to that point? Because of the exchanges. Right. As long as it was just I have Bitcoin, you want Bitcoin. One Bitcoin was one Bitcoin. But when you're comparing BTC to USD, now you have the $53,000 Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm not sure. It went up a lot last night, Think thankfully, uh, after, after how bad it uh, dipped. So, so that was good to see. I mean, my portfolio dipped something like... 50,000 in the past like week or two and then recovered a lot but uh that's 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 the crypto game i guess which is a good segue into uh my next and final question which is is bitcoin going to stay bullish and uh do you subscribe to the having cycle theory and or stock to flow model what are your thoughts on where bitcoin is going to go this year well bitcoin 
is now that you have so many banks and institutions involved in Bitcoin, I don't think we're ever going to see like it was back in 2018 where the market just tanked because there's mm. too many people involved in it now who have um, Bitcoin staying at a high price has they, they have an, an interest in it staying at a high price because you have I mean JP Morgan has Bitcoin on his books now yeah and they told you it was rat poison <laughs> so I mean or was that well Jamie Dimon was not a fan of Bitcoin as we all know but JP Morgan has Bitcoin now and um, so I don't think you're going to see the crashes happen like that. And I mean, we're, we went from 62,000 down to almost 49,000 in the last few days. Right. But it bounced right back. You know, it's not nearly up to 60,000 just yet, but it didn't drop. It, it went down and then it kind of like hit the brakes and then started going back up. That's because you have so many people involved. People just aren't dumping the stuff once it hits a certain point. I mean, you're always mm -hmm. going to get people taking profit. I mean, what investor wouldn't? But not to the point where people are like, oh, I'm getting out of this, you know, like you did before. I mean, mm -hmm. they tried to blame the, <clears throat> the proposed tax hike on the crash, on the, the, the market loss. But I think that was more of a coincidence than anything else. You know, because you and I see Bitcoin on a, as a, in a different way than someone on the JP Morgan uh, Credit Suisse, that level. That's beyond us. That's, that's, you know, so why am I going to put my money into something that I don't think has a lasting value is their, I, their thinking. So that's why I don't think we have anything to worry about. Because yeah. people at the top are involved now and they're not going to just take a losing bet. So does that mean that the crash won't be that bad? And do you think there will even be a crash because of that? And lastly, uh, do you think that Bitcoin is still pretty bullish then for this year? Like, do you think we'll see the likes of a hundred K 200 K? What are your thoughts there? It's anything's possible. <laughs> I don't uh what was it um you, have you ever I'm you've seen the big short right yeah and what were they talking about uh the Selena Gomez um segment they were talking about the uh hot hand fallacy you know yeah. or something will all you think something will go up just because it always has gone up well anyone who adheres to that is setting themselves up for a disappointment because everything could crash Nothing is 100%. So people who think that just because Bitcoin is at this level now that it can't go lower, eh, I wouldn't put too much into that. I mean, like I said, I don't think we're going to see a crash like we saw back in 2018. But don't think that this is the last time you're going to see Bitcoin take a nosedive. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I I agree with that. Like and and what you were saying before um how we have so many institutions in now that there's such a strong support at pretty reasonable levels that we shouldn't really expect to see like below, you know, 40,000 or 30,000 ever again. At least that's my assumption. 
Um, but yeah, I subscribe to the the having theory and stock to flow model. So fingers crossed, uh, we go to like 200k plus by October or so. Well, uh, I, at least we we keep trying to put a date on it. Just yeah, I well, I mean, it's only because uh, it's only because if you look at like the stock to flow model and uh, the way that they've looked at the having cycle before. Uh, at least many people have broken down and look at that. It like there's a specific amount of days between the previous, uh, I think the previous low to the having, and then from the having to the next peak is right. usually the same amount of days, uh, at least within a few days from the past three cycles. Right. Uh, you're you're yeah. using logic to make that assumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are just pulling it out of the rear. And going, you know, just saying some off the wall number with nothing behind it. You're using data, which is what you should be doing. But like you go on some of these, you know, like TikTok and listen to some <laughs> of these guys, and it's just like, what are you where are you getting this? <laughs> yeah. I don't know where the valuations for Doge to become worth a dollar ever came from. <laughs> You know, like I, in my video the other day, I was I was saying like, yeah, I mean, uh, Elon Musk says Doge Moon, but he's not saying buy Doge, and yeah. he's not saying like he's not accepting Doge, and he's not paying his rent with Doge. But there was an article how he's going to pay his rent with Bitcoin, and we all know that he's accepting Bitcoin for Tesla and building Bitcoin infrastructure and invested in Bitcoin. So I say. Look at what he does, not what he says. He says exactly, exactly. Right? Yeah. 100%. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I I have really high hopes for Bitcoin. Uh, maybe I'm just like too far too far gone now to uh, believe anything else. <laughs> uh, but the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is that even if we don't, you know, get some crazy peak this year, uh, I still believe in it enough that in four years and eight years, you know, whatever, uh, it's still going to probably be worth more than it is today. So, you know, I have almost little to no doubt that that would be the case. Um, so the beautiful thing is that even if I miss the peak or whatever, you wait a few years and you're set. Cause I bought the last peak and then it crashed from 19,000 to 3000. And I was, (laughs) I was thinking like, wow, I must be the worst investor of all time. Uh, (laughs) And then I just waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And now it's, you know, three X that. So it's just, it's, it's the long-term game. I think the patience is not really something that our generations are known for. So the idea that you could hold something and then in 10 years, it'll be worth this. A lot of us have a hard time wrapping our heads around that. But it's true. If you held, if you had Bitcoin in 2011 and you didn't do anything with it except keep it in your wallet, knowing where your wallet was, because some of you forgot. Yeah. (laughs) And you cashed out today, you'd be a millionaire. Yeah. Easy. Right. But you have to have the patience to not be like, ah, this isn't going anywhere. I'm going to get rid of it. Like some people did too. Right. That's very true. That's very true. Patience is something that a lot of us are going to need to work on if we expect this thing to have the payoff we all hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. And people need the conviction. Like they need to actually understand why Bitcoin is important. Otherwise, they get that little gain and then they're just like, oh, that's it. I I, I need to sell right. now. 
I think that's kind of the way that I look at Doge. Like the reason it, when it falls, it falls so hard that there's no one's like, oh, because obviously Doge is going to a dollar because it's so great. So I should keep it. A lot of people are like, well, like we got our 50 cents. So like, you know, let's get out now before this is done. And uh, I, I think I think there's very different mindsets and maybe, maybe I'm just biased because I don't like Doge because, you know, it's, it's, it's too, it's too hype and it's kind of like bad press for the crypto space, I would say. Um, but the way that I look at it is like, you know, people look at Doge and they say, okay, well now I'm going to get out, but people look at Bitcoin when it dips and they're like, this is a great buying opportunity. I'm sure many Doge holders think like that, but I don't think the average person in the crypto space looks at it like that. And I think they do when they look at Bitcoin and that's kind of my interpretation. We also have to remember that as much as we don't like people to say it, a lot of people are in this space gambling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not sustainable and it's not a good idea. But that's where we are now, you know. The the between Doge and NFTs, that's pretty much where they're they're gambling, and a lot of people are going to get wrecked because they're not as savvy as they think they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bull market uh, has definitely got a lot of people glossy eyed, and uh, I think people are going to have a rude awakening once once we go bearish. Um, and and speaking of getting wrecked, before we end this off, uh, do you have any thoughts on BitClout? No. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I figured I'd ask because uh, it's like the big craze right now. The I, owner has made like, you know, 200 million off of people's Bitcoin so uh, far. I'm going to keep my opinion on that to myself until we start seeing if any legal uh, issues start arising and then we can revisit that conversation fair enough yeah yeah that's fair they got uh, a cease and desist letter but uh i'm curious if do if we see something something bigger there i'm going to drop a uh, a pretty crazy uh expose today or tomorrow so um well i remember should... you pointed out on twitter coffeezilla his uh yeah he did like... two great videos and yeah. uh i well, i've added a lot to what he originally talked about and uh yeah i think it's going to be very very eye-opening i mean if anything the biggest thing to just you know too long didn't read is uh it's provable that they lied about the pre-mine they said it was 10 percent, it was 40 percent, and they're using the pre-mine to artificially inflate all the prices of the tokens on the platform um and it's provable because it's on the chain so it's pretty crazy that people don't know this stuff yet, but no one's writing about it or covering it. So no one's going to know until, <laughs> you know, and, and that's why I got to put out this video because I think people are getting scammed left and right. Uh, and they, and, and if no one actually talks about it, then uh, no one's going to know, but everyone's hesitant because we don't know if they're going to with- release a withdraw function tomorrow or something. But at this point, because of all the craziness, like the lie about the pre-mine, I'm going to say that even if there's a withdrawal function, it's still, it's still too far gone. But allegedly, anyways, you know, uh, you know, I, I have a thing I like to say. You know, first we were in Beanie Baby territory, then we were in 2017 territory, now we're in Fire Festival territory. 
There's a <laughs> lot of sketchy, sketchy things out there. Not naming any names, but sometimes it's just obviously something you shouldn't be involved with. But like I said, we're gambling now, so you know people are just gonna have to find out the hard way. Yeah, yeah. And the best thing people could do is avoid gambling and just invest in quality stuff, stuff with great fundamentals. Uh, obviously, none of this is financial advice. We have no idea where Bitcoin is going to go, but uh, it's better to, you know, invest in something than just keeping your money and losing it all to inflation, even if it's not crypto. Uh, at least that's my my take. Do you have any final thoughts before we uh, end this off? No, just want to say thank you again for having me on, Scott. I'm a big fan of your work and, uh, you know, it just keep it, keep it up, man. I, I, I think you're doing great. I really appreciate that. And yeah, everyone, make sure to go and check out Jason Nelson as well. Uh, he's now branded under Crypto Insights Journal again on YouTube. So make sure to go and check out all of his stuff there and uh, your Dragon Wolf Tech on Twitter, I believe, right? Yes, sir. Perfect. So go follow him there. Check out his stuff. Also check him out on library and mines. Uh, I'll make sure to include all that good stuff in the description below as well. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Cheers.